Thanks. All right, and uh, three, two, one, and we'll go. Hey, Christina Dills, how are you? Hi, Alan. I'm hey. good, thank you. First of all, no one can ever miss the 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 saying that you have on the wall behind you. Life is beautiful. Um, every time I zoom with you or whatever, like it's always just kind of a something that makes makes me smile. Oh, good. I'm glad it <laughs> met its purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, do you look at it like you don't get to see it all day? Uh, you've got it as your backdrop, so other people get to see it. But you get to see it when you come and go from your desk. Uh, I actually get to see it in meetings like this. <laughs> So, okay. Yeah, remind my, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So any, and I, um, you know, do you, uh, any story on that? I mean, other than the obvious that it's a great, it's just a wonderful saying, does it just make you feel a certain way? Or is it kind of the message you like to send to the world? Or is anything, any kind of little story you like to tell about it? Uh, well, I think words have energy. And I mm -hmm. think that, um, you know, we can use those words for our benefit. Yeah. And I keep a journal about almost daily. Um, and two things I write in my journal is kind of the things that I'm grateful for. So everything from, you know, the sun in the sky to my daughter to, you know, my dog, whatever. And then uh, what I want to create for the day, like my intentions. And yeah. so I think that, you know, using words as reminders for ourselves keeps us kind of in that energy throughout the day. So awesome. you kind of hit on two, two things there that are known to be really important. Like, I think the studies show that, you know, gratitude is like, like maybe the number one thing that an exercise, right. But gratitude is like the one, the most number one things you can do mentally to, um, to kind of ward off, you know, uh, depression or anxiety or negative things in life. Like this being thankful for things has, is like an antidote for, um, you know, uh, stress and other other negative emotions, right? Sure, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the new sciences, they talk about, you know, the subatomic particles, right? So smaller than the atom, smaller than the electron. And uh, what is at that base? What are those particles? And it's just frequency. It's just mm -hmm. energy, right? So we are the base at the foundational level, just energy. And I think that gratitude kind of is the highest level of energy, the highest frequency that you can kind of get to. So putting yourself in that space every day, you know, you're kind of setting your day up at a higher frequency and, you know, things are going to happen and it may bring you down a little bit, but at least you started at a higher level, you know, instead of starting at a low frequency, now you're in the, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way yourself. to not, there's no way to not feel better after you just do some, you know, say some things to yourself around gratitude, things that you're thankful for. There's just no way to not feel better in fact, it, it almost motivates you to do something. At least when I go there, I tend to get an idea or motivated to do something, you know, um, generous in the world because, you know, when you make yourself feel grateful, then you kind of want to do something to like, you know, um, you know, just kind of reinforce it. You know, I don't know. I think it's a beautiful thing. And you start your day like that. And then you, you know, the other thing you mentioned was, um, you know, you know, uh, things that you, I don't remember exactly the word you used. You didn't say intentions. manifest. What was it? Intentions. Intentions. Yeah, I was thinking manifest, but mm -hmm. you like the this you paint the picture maybe for the day in your mind. Is that is one way to think? Sure. Of and you manifest your intentions, right? So you create. I create an intention every day, or at least one, more than one usually. And it's nothing specific. It's kind of general. 
usually it's like, I want to have fun or if there's something specific that's going to happen, kind of like what's the overall general outcome that I would like to see. Um, you know, things like that. Like if it's a day that I have a lot going on, I just say, you know, let me get through the day with peace and balance and harmony or things like that. I mean, the, the more general, I think the, the easier setting yourself up for, for success and you're kind of setting the things up in a, there's a lot that happens in the unconscious level, right? And the subconscious level that, and when you have those kind of underlying intentions, it's kind of giving direction to that unconscious level that's happening around you. So this, this a lot of power more, in that. This, this stuff is more powerful than anybody really realizes. I mean, some people know because they, they follow it closely and they practice, but it is, um, it's, it's more powerful than people really realize. And, and when people wonder how their life goes the direction that it goes and the places they end up and uh and the power of the mind um is a big factor that it's almost like you can't see it like that's the reason why we don't understand the power because it's so mm -hmm. it's so um subtle in every day like the things that happen to you in life and the things that end up happening on a given day or where you go in life you've you've actually directly slash indirectly guided yourself there usually without knowing that you ended up exactly where you were your mind was taking you, but you never, but, but if you don't understand this, you, you're never were in control of your mind. Like that's, it's just really powerful. I, I, I've always wanted to be more aware of this stuff. That's why I'm asking you about it. Mm. I can, I mean, we can even have an off session just for that. Cause I, <laughs> I'm a co like, so I, I study neuroscience and yeah. uh, I, I can do, I can do hypnosis. Like I got certified. It was part of, oh, wow. you know, my journey of uh, self-exploration um, I had a lot of issues and anxieties and things like that. And I heard, I heard hypnosis helps. So I said, well, let me learn how to do it. And then, so, um, and That's I did cool. it on myself. Yeah. That's yeah. But I learned all this things about the mind and the thoughts and, you know, we live life, you know, just kind of not really putting awareness or focus on our thoughts. And that's why things just happen to us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the best way to predict your future is to create it through your thoughts you know, through your intentions every single day. Wow. Yeah. I, I, we didn't even expect, uh, you and I have talked two or three times in the last week, even before, like I, this topic just jumped out and I love it when, when the serendipitously uh, topics like this jump out and, um, and it's really important for entrepreneurs. So this podcast is dedicated to aspiring entrepreneurs, as you know, I mean, my whole purpose is mm -hmm. to bring successful entrepreneur stories, you know, forward so that aspiring entrepreneurs who have not taken the leap yet can like hear, kind of what it's like and, and lessons learned and advice and stories and be able to relate and all these things. Right. So that's really cool that this one came up because it's um, it, it could be the most powerful tool in the toolbox for an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I always say, if anybody asks me, what, what do you recommend? I always say, set up your day every single day. Tony Robbins calls it hour of power, you know, different uh, leaders and motivational speakers, they talk about it too. And, you know, you if you set up your day with intentions, with gratitude, with exercise, those are my three, well, I do gratitude, you know, my journaling, I do exercise and I connect with nature. Those are my three things wow. that I make sure I do every day. Wow. And those three things, like when you do that, you're giving yourself the best probability to have success that day. And, and every day is a new day. So you really do have to kind of take that and, and make it sustainable. I'm not saying to take a whole hour, two hours to do that. But, you know, I do, yeah. uh, well, I do meditation too. So I have my meditation, 
my journal. I go out out into the woods and I ride my bike. <laughs> you know, I connect. I breathe the air. I yeah. thank nature for the air and for everything. And you know, there's something in I don't I can't explain it, but there's something that like powers me up when I do that every day, and it gets me you know on this kind of high flying you know, vibe all day that I can just manage to do a million things and look, make it look easy. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's funny. I yeah. think I commented last time you and I had a call, uh, <laughs> I said something like you just, um, you just have this, uh, kind of Zen about you and you and I've gotten to know each other the last year, several calls and, and, um, and you just have this, um, Zen aura. And I don't, I've never met an entrepreneur, especially with three different startups going at once that kind of was able to, um, have that. And now I've unlocked it. This is the first time we've had this conversation. So now I know, now I know, now you know my secret. Yeah. I know I know the secret. So this is cool. So, and by the way, speaking of manifest and intention, you had a big day yesterday, um, mm -hmm. at the, uh, Tampa innovation center down in St. Petersburg, which is an amazing uh, organization, by the way, Tanya Elmore, Ken Evans, um, and the, the startups that they, that they work with. And then the, the big new facility that they're building, um, so uh, did you, did you get, I know the answer to this. You, did you get up yesterday and, and really put that intention? I mean, cause you were, you were, uh, you were in front of judges yesterday. You had to do your pitch and you had to take okay. questions on a live zoom. It was a, it was a pitch contest, right? I mean, not, no, con not a contest. It was a showcase. I'm yeah. sorry. Showcase. It was a little bit different than a contest. So yeah. it was really nice. I liked it cause they were really looking out for the entrepreneurs and trying to help them to progress to the next phase. And so they gave, you know, they asked good deep questions and uh, gave gave suggestions and and all of that. So it was it was a nice format. And yeah, I think and, and it was kind of the finale of the, the accelerator program. So that's the whole point of it. Right. So we spent uh, during the shutdown, uh, we were actually in an accelerator program online. Right. So we were meeting every week and um, Ken and, and Tanya and, and then the mentors we're all kind of going through this, you know, crash course of a successful entrepreneurship, which I love. I, I really, I was debating whether or not to do it. And I'm so glad I did because I had a lot of things going on and it's a big time commitment. Um, but, you know, with COVID happening, actually it would like, it opened up the space uh, for me and it was a perfect timing to kind of sit down and evaluate everything about the company and how I was approaching things and really fine tune it. And so, and the showcase was kind of like representing that progress that we made in the accelerator program. It was, it was great. And I sat in because I wanted to watch, um, because I, w I knew we were going to do this, this the, together the next day. And I said, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to want to watch this because I want to be able to uh, tell Christina that I watched the day before because I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good. And, and it was also good to see my friends, Tanya and Ken in action and, and the judges and so forth. Um, so you, this is not your okay. This is not your first rodeo for pitching. So you've you've pitched one million cups uh, in Tampa, St. Petersburg, and you've yeah. also pitched at um, Synapse uh, Conference, which is our mega entrepreneurship uh, conference every year. Um, do okay. you do you enjoy it? Do you do you feel like you get value? What, how do what's your take on pitch pitching rooms? startups yeah i mean there's different flavors because they have different formats some of them you feel like it's the hunger games you know because <laughs> you're just uh competing and it's a harsh type of competition and they set it up for entertainment so you're the entertainment 
And so to something like, you know, that's more uh, like what we did yesterday, where it's more about helping out the entrepreneur versus, you know, making them the entertainment. So, um, you know, I have my opinion about format in terms of like, uh, but in terms of pitching, I think it's part of the journey of being an entrepreneur. So you're not going to get out of it and you have to learn how to communicate your, co your, your company, your idea, your, your value. And yeah. so it's so important in those pitches, even though some of them are gut wrenching, you know, they, they teach you so much about yourself, about even your company. Sometimes in a pitch, you realize that, Hey, this doesn't sound right. Or, Hey, this didn't go well with the audience. Maybe that's not as valuable as I think it is, you know? So yeah. it really, you, you learn so much in the process, even though it might be a few minutes or however many minutes, all that preparation, the reaction, the questions, uh, there's so much you learn. And honestly, like I've bombed my first pitch at 1 million cups where I had people threatening me with legal issues, you know, not like wow. personally threatening me, but telling me I was going to have legal issues because I was infringing on their privacy, wow. things like that. Cause they didn't understand what I was doing, but I didn't which explain forced, it well. Forced you to, uh, yeah, force you to, uh, you know, tighten up your message and you clarify your yeah. story and right. Sure, sure. And I had now, to pitch in Dubai too. That was an interesting one. Wait, whoa, so. wait, wait. I, I didn't know you did. I didn't know you were yeah. doing that. But that was that wasn't recent. That was right after you left Microsoft, which we're gonna get into. Is that right? In Dubai or yeah. That one came okay. up pretty quickly after I left Microsoft, an okay. opportunity um to to join the Jitex technology event. Like over a hundred thousand people from all over the world go to this event. It's huge. It was amazing experience. I right, really get into excited. I can't wait to yeah. get into that one because this was this was yeah. a big this was a big part of your leaving Microsoft uh, story, which you were with Microsoft for almost a decade, and we're going to get into that because that's one of my favorite things mm. about you, Christina. We we talked many months ago when I launched my book, Quit to Start, which about you know entrepreneur aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, being able to leave a job to be an entrepreneur, make the leap, and and you're you're one of you're on my you know on my my tracking sheet because uh, you did it in a big way. You did it in a big way. You left a, a, a big company like you left Microsoft in a really high paying job um, that you didn't have to leave and you made this leap and um, and you did it for all the right reasons, but you also did it with a plan and you kind of did it the right way, which is what I, I try to inspire others to do. And so that's a big part of the story I want to get into. But before we get there, um, I have like a tradition where I throw up a kind of an opening question. Um, and uh, just because, uh, you know, I like to do this to just dive in. Right. So this is the one I came up with for, for you, Christina. And it, it, and it says at some point, does it does it call your name? So this gets a little bit to the story of when you were at Microsoft, where um, you mm. when you were describing it to me, like it just kept you were becoming less and less fulfilled right that's one word and maybe you could you could paint that a little better for me but it was just this growing um this growing um something missing in your life am i right yeah well it's kind of like something i knew i had inside me that i wanted to express that i wasn't expressing you know it felt like that it was like, it was kind of, I mean, calling, I'm not sure how to express calling, but it was like, you know, you want to cook something and you're like, oh, you get this appetite to make something and you want to just like make it. It was kind of like that, like this urge inside of me. 
But I think I've always had that entrepreneur bug inside of me from a young age. Um, but at the same time, you know, in Microsoft, it was just, you know, all the, the, the innovation, you know, being there so long. I mean, when I started, there was desktop computers and it was really like, I mean, imagine back in, you know, 2000, 2004. And so like in that time, you know, it was a lot different. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have, you know, Android. Like, it just wasn't there. We had, like, old school d desktops, maybe, la you know, and laptops, too, were coming faster. But, and then to see that innovation over time and then get to a point where you start seeing things like sensor technology and AI and blockchain. I mean, I started to just, I felt like I caught a virus. I couldn't stop learning about it. And I was taking everything, every course I could find to learn about the new technologies. And and I knew that I was going to use it to create it. I was right, learning right. kind of the building blocks behind it. And I said, I know this is, this is what I need to do. This is my purpose in life is yeah. to create technology, to make this planet more sustainable, to live in harmony, to live in balance with technology yeah. as that support tool for right. us. And you were you were describing to me too that um, that uh, not only were you kind of really curious in, to get in the game of all of this new stuff that was rolling out, but you also were talking about how you you know you had this really you know you were making more money than you had imagined. You had this amazing car and amazing you know condo, and I think you were in Miami or in Miami Beach. Or you're gonna, and you just <laughs> had it all in a way for a young lady in her late twenties, and 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 but it wasn't it just wasn't, um, it wasn't kind of doing it for you felt a little unfulfilled, right? There was also like this life component. Yeah. And also it was like this, this, you know, at that time, you know, I was making for my age, phenomenal money, right? So I was making amazing money living on the beach. I mean, every morning I woke up to the sunrise on the ocean, you know, so it was just like, I was like, wow, I, I made like, that's what I wrote it down in my goals for the year. I wanted to live on the beach. I wanted this, I wanted that. And, and I got it right. And then when I was there, like I was looking for happiness outside. Right. So I was looking, I said, oh, if I get this and I get that, I'm going to be happy. Right. But I wasn't because, I mean, I was working 10, 12 hour days and then I was exhausted and, you know, friends weren't really friends. And, you know, it was just it, it didn't um, there's something more to life. And I mean, we talked about it in the beginning of this. Right. And there's that there's that mindset. There's that consciousness in us. There's there's something else besides the physical that we need to be complete, to be fulfilling. And, right. you know, creating is kind of like that act, that expression that feels, that fills that gap, right? So, and I wasn't, I mean, at that time I was, I think I was a finance manager. So I was just, you know, really, really into the job, but it was very consuming. And, um, and I knew I couldn't do it long-term. And I saw people who were, you know, in the company 10 more years than I was, or 15 more years, you know, and, they still were working 10 hour days, 12 hour days, just consumed by the job. And I saw like a future version of myself doing that. And I was like, right. hell no, right. <laughs> that is not going to be me, you know? Yeah. So, uh, right. and, and I'm so grateful though. Like if there was, you know, I had such an amazing experience 
the smartest people, the best people to work with. I mean, you can't blame, blame any, you know, anything, everything had its purpose and was yeah. awesome because it helped me to really gain the confidence, the skill set that I needed, you know? So there's, um, there's no bad feelings there. Yeah, of course. It was more about you. It wasn't yeah. about uh, the, the company or the, or the, or the anything around that. It was more about what was inside of you that, that needed, uh, you know, more needed to change. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I was, uh, and I was pretty, you know, the people I was close with, they knew that they knew yeah. there was a time limit. And I mentioned, yeah. I think, uh, my boss too, it was like, I I'll do my best. You'll always get the best from me, but I'm making my plans, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> right. I'm, I'm planning my start or what do you, right. I, <laughs> right. Right. So. I love it. Um, I want to take a quick time out to, um, take a look at our oh, sponsor oh, here, no. uh, our sponsor, uh, secure startup. So this is the, uh, site and the tool that, uh, helps, uh, startup founders, um, exchange their key documents between, um, you know, startup founders and investors. So it's like the signatures and all of the confidentiality needed and taken care of, um, for that specific task. So that's securestartup.com. And, um, and we know that, um, that that can be a pain in the butt. Uh, Christine, you haven't had to, I think you've self-funded most of your startups. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it came from my savings. I took out a small loan just mm -hmm. to give me some more in debt right now. So cheap. And so, mm -hmm. but, but I mean, if you do it, it, you know, if you're smart about it, you know, people have this misperception that it takes millions of dollars to get a startup going. Right. And if you do it smart and, you know, you do it the right way, you really don't. You know, yeah. you just got to you got to take some time to do the, the per first steps. And Kenda did an amazing job in the accelerator program going over what those steps are. Um, and, and everybody there was bootstrapping. So there was nobody there that got... And when you hear of these like, oh, this startup got $200 million or da, da, da. I mean, it's so misleading. You know, it makes everybody think like, oh, if I go get a startup and I create an app, I'm going to get an investor. I mean, I had the same thing, like misperception <laughs> at the beginning. I was like, ooh, here's a $2 million yeah. idea. Yeah, not going to happen. Well, so, here's the problem though. People don't realize mm -hmm. is that, you know, first of all, that's really uh, rare and hard to pull off, quote the investor and so forth. But what people just don't realize is that most entrepreneurs have fought really hard to uh, for independence. And that's one of the reasons they're an entrepreneur is because they don't want a boss per se. And they really want to, you know, the independence of entrepreneurship and to make your own destiny and to be able to make things happen. You take an investor, you, you've taken a boss, right? People don't yeah. realize that an investor, yes, some investors are very uh, hands off and not active and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, um, if you were, if you, if you're not hitting your milestones after you've taken investment, if you're not on track and the progress isn't going to the level that you said it would, um, those investors become start getting up very uncomfortable and start asking yeah. harder and tougher questions. And as they should, it's their money, right? And um, and you find out quickly as a founder entrepreneur that it's taking other people's money investment. It can be not fun really fast. And all of a sudden it feels like you did, you know, three or four, four years ago when you back to having a boss. And it's, it's interesting that that's not always understood, by the way. Yeah. And not only that you gain a boss, but 
you also lose part of your company, you know? So, I mean, we had an offer and I was just like, no, you know, you know, they want to take a big percentage and then they want, uh, you know, to tell you what to do, take a yeah. big percent. I mean, if you look, mm -hmm. and you somebody yeah. new to report to somebody to report. I think that's what I mean by a boss. Like basically somebody to re, you've got to report to now. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then on, t yeah, I think it was, um, Elon Musk. He, at the end of the day, he only had 7% of PayPal, you know, I mean, he got a, still got a good payout for that. Uh, but at the, mm -hmm. but you know, he created the company and he got 7% when he left. Yeah. So it just shows you like investment. It's not, it's not a bad thing, but you got to know when's the right timing and you yeah. have to have more leverage. If you go too early on and you get investment, you're losing all your leverage and your vision. And then they care about revenue. And sometimes yeah. revenue is not always the first thing that you need That's to right. Uh, to focus on it's of course good it's lucky, always end game that to an investor that revenue isn't the first thing when we know the startup oh. game the truth of it is that revenue is for for tech startups is not the first priority and that's often very yeah. hard for an, an investor especially an angel investor that hasn't done a lot of tech investing it's really hard for them to get their head around yeah i know i had that question at the pitch contest at the synapse and I thought it well, two of the judges agree, agreed, but you know, they asked me that, oh, which is, which is more important revenue or customer growth as a startup. And I was like, like neither. I was like, you know, it depends on where you are as a startup, what KPI makes you incentivizes you to the right behavior. You know, it's all about lining that up. So sometimes revenue is just too far away to make that the most important thing. If it's too far away, it's kind of like trying to jump and, and not being able to ever, you know, reach that top, you know? So right. if, it's too, if the step is too big, you're not gonna make it. You gotta make smaller incremental steps along the way. Right. And I uh, sometimes- Christina, I love your confidence. I mean, you just have, you're so centered about these things. And, and you know, like you said, you got that tough question. So many founders would quake in their shoes or try to give the answer that they know that that person wants to hear and you just say neither and you don't care. And I'd love that. I think that's one of the cool things I like about your style. I like to, for people to, to see that you can be a centered comp, you can be a centered person and you don't. And part of being an entrepreneur is not, is technically not having to answer to anybody other than the market, your users and yourself and, you know, your team and, and, uh, and you, you're true. It's your vision. And, you know, it's, and and you and letting people push you around, not you specifically, but letting any founder push them around just because they have money or because they're quote you know, you know quote successful or whatever is where things get pretty twisted pretty fast. I see it a lot. Yeah, you got to know your truth. You got to believe in yourself, you know, because that's the only truth that's in you. And nobody's going to know your business better than you. Right. Now, I'm not saying don't be flexible. I mean, be open to hearing things and, and if it makes sense and you know there's always learning but at the right. same time when you know something and you really know it you defend it or right. you know you you have that courage and conviction and you know what that's that's admirable and when you have yeah. that like that's that's gonna get you get yeah you far. i i love it i did it, to me you know this idea of, of just being overly malleable for a founder i'm not a, i'm not a big fan of that for the most part in most cases i believe that founders need to have a strong vision of what they're trying to accomplish do their homework listen but be just be you know um really determined about what they're trying to accomplish and and not let their vision become too um 
too twisted and watered down because of too many opinions. I did a whole podcast with Steve Fisk when we talked about like the whole the whole concept was, you know, what to let in and what to leave out and really what to keep out of your mind. And, and that goes for feedback and opinions is, is part of the big part of the battle for a startup founder yeah. because everybody wants to give you their opinion and thoughts and everybody's got different levels of credibility and it can get it can get pretty pretty messy fast for a founder. They don't see it coming. Yeah. And, and it's tough. And, you know, I, I, I heard something and it was like, keep your ideas to yourself until it's actually got roots, you know, until it's really grown into something more like even immunity ledger. I just announced it yesterday, but I've been working on it since February, you know, because I didn't, I don't like, you know, that always, that's part of the process. People that, and it's only a reflection of themselves. So, you know, I tell my seven-year-old daughter this, I said, don't ever believe what anybody tells you <laughs> because whatever they're telling you is just how they believe about it for themselves, right. you know, right. and it's just a reflection. So they're just telling you about themselves, not about it's got you. Some value. It's got some value, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. not the whole, but it's not the whole answer. And you also have to see the filter they're coming through. You know, some people, they have a mindset of scarcity, of lack, of unworthiness. So they're coming through that filter so they're projecting it on you. So if they can justify your idea or your business not being something or, you know, it's it's because they don't believe they could do it themselves. Oh my right. Gosh. So and, you're, you're getting into yeah. a really important topic here. No, really, uh -huh. this is a big deal. Like you'd be surprised, uh -huh. uh, you know, you're the sometimes the friends and family who you think would be the first ones to be raving fans of what you're doing often are put off by maybe the possibility that, you know, you might be doing something so successful that they, you know, you leave them behind or that you, you know, you know how it is with a small town or any other, like, you know, people want to keep, they don't want you to get too big for your britches in some cases. And then, uh, and, and just, or there's other cases where someone is again, trying to dissuade you from something because they, um, are scared of doing it and, and it makes them feel good to, tell you, oh, be, be aware, you know, make sure you don't do that or make, be, you know, be really a fear, be really afraid of this over here. Be, uh, and, and by the way, it has merit. There is probably a lot to be afraid of with that. Right. But it, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to all of a sudden dominate your, your mind as something to be afraid of just because it dominates their mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's tough because they're around you and they're an influence and mm -hmm. they're connected. That's why you have to keep your strength, your kind of strong, you know, way of being because you got to just let it ping off of you because it's going to yes. happen. You got to get that thick skin because yeah. I saw a meme. It was really cute. It was like, you know, all the time that it took you to like create the successful company, how many supporters you had, it was, it was like two or something. And then it was like, after, you know, you hit a million dollar revenue, how many supporters you had, you know, a thousand or whatever. Like, it's kind of like people jump in after they see it happen and then they still, they justify it. Oh, well yeah. he had this help or he had this luck or, and you know, again, it's a reflection of them themselves right it's right. nothing to it really has very little to do with you or nothing to do with you right. you know and i saw that at microsoft too you know other managers you know and other you know people colleagues getting very jealous of you know i would just get excited and tell them hey i'm 
working on this blockchain contract, like this consulting thing on the side. And, and I thought that we were close and we were friends. And when they heard that, whoo, hey. it was like, <laughs> uh, Christina, Christina, I've got a chapter yeah. in my book uh, that, you know, could mm -hmm. start about, you know, people in jobs and rising the ranks, the entrepreneurial mindset person. I've got a chapter in my book called you are a threat. <laughs> it's the name of the chapter. You are a threat. And what I meant by that was if you're an ambitious entrepreneurial mindset person in a big company or any medium sized company or whatever, or even small, um, you're achievement minded, you're results oriented. Um, and you're maybe even you're competitive that way, but, but you're, but for the most part, you most entrepreneurial mindset people I know of are, are trying to accomplish things and they're interested in results and they really are not trying to put, they're not trying to do it at the harm of other people. Um, I know so many founder entrepreneurs. One thing I know about founder entrepreneurs that seems to always be true is they're not petty. Like that, they're they're not. Um, even though they are winning a lot, they they're usually not trying to do it at other people's expense. It's just they don't have time mm -hmm. for that for the most part. They're very focused on like a product or a solution or some kind of outcome or something like that. But other people can interpret your results-oriented determination inside of a company or even outside as you're trying to win at some at other people's expense and you're like no i'm not i actually you know want everybody to come with me i just want to do really great work and yeah. and it can be interpreted as a threat and and i wrote about it as a threat because then you know you technically in a company like microsoft you can start making other people look bad and you're like i'm not trying to do that but i'm sorry that it, you feel that way i know it, it was really tough for me and i realized i i should have just kept my mouth shut and not told them anything but I was getting so excited like so yeah. many things were coming together I was making so much money on Bitcoin and all these different cryptos that I bought in early and they were getting up to 20k and I was just like oh I'm doing good yeah. and I just couldn't and it was my own like that's why I said keep your ideas to yourself keep everything to yourself and and I had to learn that the hard way the large hard lesson I mean in a room, a friend of mine that was in the in a meeting, I didn't, I wasn't in, but she was like, my manager, he said I was overly ambitious and I was using my connections at Microsoft to advance my career, my business uh, that I was, that I had started. And so like, it started creating some problems and I got so angry. Oh, I was livid because I wasn't doing anything to hurt. Like you said, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to throw people under the bus or stomp my way through or be, you know, take Microsoft clients, or nothing like that. I was, you know, I was trying just trying to be the best you could be doing the making the most of all the opportunities that are in front. If anything, I was trying to be a partner and help Microsoft. And like I was and I was like, I couldn't understand. I was like, I'm gonna be helping Microsoft. Like I'm gonna be an amazing partner that's gonna bring new technology with Azure. You know, like that was my mindset. And then um, you know, it is so just like you said, I was a threat. Like you said, other people's insecurities and they they like you said, the lens earlier, mm -hmm. uh, we all have lenses. We all have insecurities We're, you and I are not immune to this. We, we, we do it ourselves, but, um, the way people, um, the way people handle six, when they, other people that they know are close to them that are being su more successful than they are or, or whatever, or perceived to be heading towards that way, they either perceive that as a threat or, or, or otherwise. Right. And many people, yeah have to see that as a threat and it's like but you're right it's a reflection of them not you
Yeah. And at the time when you're in it, it's hard to say that because you're just feeling, (laughs) feeling it. So I wasn't at that time going, oh, it's a reflection of them. I was more like, (laughs) you wouldn't want to say that anyway. It would sound arrogant of itself, right? Yeah. You can't win. You can't win. That was just like, you can't win to your point. Um, there's no winning. You're, you're right. It, 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 I think that there's really only one or two, maybe three people in your life at any given time that you can truly, um, you just Trust. speak fully free mm-hmm. about what you're doing without that person, you know, feeling hurt, you know, somehow affected like that, you know, that they're unconditionally, unconditionally, uh, happy for you supportive. and supportive. Yeah. And, right. There's only a few people that really in your life that, it's unfortunate right yeah talk to yourself you know write in a journal and that's what i do (laughs) i mean i literally do sometimes talk to myself i'm like oh that wasn't too bright so (laughs) or stuff like that but that's uh you know you just keep it to yourself you'll be doing yourself a favor i know we get excited for things and we want to tell everyone because we're just so excited about it um but you do just you know as much as possible keep it to yourself until until the ideas are more formed, until you have more momentum going that they can't stop you. You know, uh, once you have that momentum and you're like, I already got a client, look at that. Yeah. You know, so then they, but then they, then they just join your bandwagon because then once you've crossed the line of success, then they all of a sudden don't see you as a threat anymore. Cause now you've, it's kind of a weird, it's like escape velocity, right? Like, when you're still no, they want to they want to they want to jump on the bandwagon to try to see if they can get something from your success right right or <laughs> or just pretend like history didn't matter and now they're you're, you know now like i was your biggest supporter it's weird we're all human like i mean like it's yeah. just a human condition thing right and and um but it is something entrepreneurs should know and i agree with your advice that um be careful be, be sure you know who if you're really you've, you've got to talk about your idea and so forth but there's there's the kind of the filtered controlled way of talking about what you're doing which is kind of con- consumable for you know the, the everybody around but then there's the uh unfiltered unrestrained honest communicate that is got to be reserved for just very few people once you truly know that they have your best interest in mind and that they truly are unconditional in their relationship with you right yeah and you know, you some, like you said, some people you give a little bit and some more. And when you find somebody you can trust, or you know, that's why, you know, one of the first steps of building your company is finding your teammates, right? I think that's actually one of the hardest parts at the beginning, because you need to find people that complement you, that support you, and those are going to be the people that you can have those deeper conversations and kind yeah. of form those ideas with. And those that needs to be like your pack you know the one the true like and and those are the ones that you go to and share and you build it together you're co-creating it together and so you you, there's almost two ends of that spectrum right you can be you can be uh super uh cocky or confident or you can be super excited and be completely unguarded like unguarded about and you don't have to worry about how they feel like they're gonna just see it as it is and support and and then on the success side, but then there's also the side of vulnerable, right? You can also be vulnerable to those people, right? And um, that that pack, the, the people that are that are that are there to truly support you unconditionally. You can be both vulnerable, but you can also be just uh, be excited. who you are. Mm-hmm. Be authentic. You know, if that authentic is, 
you know, a little cocky sometimes. So what? Accept that. That's you, you know? That's right. I, I, was gonna I say mean, I could a minute ago, but I was trying not to say the word. But sometimes people, sometimes you want to like be excited about something and it, yeah. it's like, you're like, you're like, you know, you might throw some F bombs and be like, this is all, you know, and like, you want somebody to be like, yeah, you know, you're hype, you're hype boy or a hype girl. <laughs> yeah, you want them to hype you up too. You know, you guys want to have that synergy. I mean, you have those kind of people. I have a friend that's like that. When we go out, when we do things together, it's like we, we, you know, hype each other up and maybe from somebody else, other perspective might look like, oh, they're full of themselves. And you know what? Who cares? You know, it well, feels good. Do it. <laughs> that's right. People forget that, you know, that's the other thing that that, that uh, a lot of people don't know. like, you know, entrepreneurs and leaders and people that are, you know, doing things like accomplishing big things that, they, that you know, we we put on the uh, persona a lot of times of confidence. And we, yes, we carry yourself with confidence. And yes, we do accomplish big things. We're doing more than maybe most and all that great stuff. But but we're on the inside, we're not as confident as we may look like we're all we're I'm speaking for you and me right now. We're all like mm -hmm. uh, we're all insecure about the stuff we're doing. We don't feel like it's as good as we like we're we're all racked with fear and anxiety and insecurity. And, and we we have to meditate many, ten you know, three times a day to deal with it. So so sometimes uh, even people like that are already having success and in, in, in doing and in, are already separating doing they need to blow off steam too and need to, to make them, they need people, they need to be able to um, feel good about themselves. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just, not just people that are struggling need to be picked up and supported people that are being successful need it too. Cause we're just, we're all human down inside. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of that self exploration too. I mean, we're always growing and expanding. So wherever you are, you're, you're on your way to the next level, right? So that's that's the only, like in an entrepreneur world, that's the only way we can be. You know, that's that personality where we're growing. We want to grow. We want to go to the next thing. We want to make things better. You know, that's the mindset that comes with it. And so having that mindset, you know, it, you know, it, it creates that environment, that not struggle so much, but that growth factor sometimes it's painful in growing right you go work out and your muscles you know rip you rip the muscles apart to rebuild them that's painful and so but you grew right so from it yeah. and it's the same scenario sometimes you know you got to push through that pain period and having someone is great but you got to at the end of the day you got to depend only on yourself and that's why right. i say you go you set up that time every day for yourself because that's your time that's your yeah. time you work it's not it's not an outside job it's an inside job all like it, being an entrepreneur is the toughest one of the tough i think that and being a mother those are like the toughest jobs <laughs> <laughs> in the world for me at least and no doubt. uh no doubt. yeah no doubt. You and you should never do them at the same time but many women do oh. and, and it's like wow I don't know. My daughter was still, yeah. So yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's a tough job and you have to be tougher, right? So you yeah. can, so that you can go the long haul because it's, you, you know, it's not a one, it's not a short term. It's a lifelong journey. So, so Christina, let's, let's step back a bit. Uh, let's, let's mm -hmm. uh, do a quick walk through your, uh, your, your backstory. Um, you, uh, you grew up in South Florida in the West Palm Beach area, right? 
tell me mostly, about your yeah. mostly. Tell me about your mm -hmm. parents, um, if you don't mind. Sure. So my mom and dad met in Mexico on my mom's quince birth, uh, birthday trip or whatever, and they got married when my mom was she's seventeen in Costa Rica. My dad, I think, was nineteen. They stayed there for a bit, moved back to Ohio. Um, my dad worked for General Motors and opened the plant in Oklahoma, where I happened to be born. And then we went back to Ohio and then to Florida. So my mom came from, she's originally from Costa Rica. And uh, my father's from Ohio, like all American, very religious Midwestern. background. Oh, yeah. Like Bible Belt. My uncles are pastors and, you know, like that, that mm -hmm. thing. And then, so my, my dad was the rebel, married a Catholic and and um from costa rica and from costa rica didn't speak english okay <laughs> brings her to ohio but she was real pretty <laughs> and yeah brings her and so my mom is about five foot barely and my dad was six two and red hair and my mom's like this va va boom curly olive curly dark hair with olive skin and you know imagine in a little town in ohio oh and <laughs> They thought, yeah, it was kind of funny because uh, I, I mean, I don't look, I have the colors of my dad. I have features of my mom. And, um, but anyway, yeah. so it's uh, an interesting mix there. Yeah. And then uh, my mom got sick in Ohio. The weather's just very cold. We were Northeastern Ohio and she grew up in Costa Rica where it's, you know, tropical, yeah. the rainforest and everything. Yeah. So, uh, so we moved here. Yeah. Got it. And then, um, you know, and, and so uh, just, you know, jumping, jumping ahead a little bit, I know that, um, uh, what, what kind of, well, well, let's ask this, I know we you ultimately went to Florida Atlantic University, FAU and in, uh, in South Florida there, but um, what kind of high school kid were you? Uh, let me see. I was at first uh, very studious. <laughs> no, I think I was always, I always took it seriously. Like I always tried to keep my grades up. Yeah. Um, at the end there, I was ready to go, you know, but, um, throughout, you know, I, I think I was a pretty good student overall. I was in the math honor society. I was yeah. usually on the honor roll. I took AP classes. I so, mean, I didn't have my family pushing me whatsoever. Uh, right. My sister was kind of on the opposite side of that. And, yeah. um, but I, you know, my grandmother always told me education is your ticket. And so she goes, if you want a better life, get educated. So I made sure, and uh, they had that Florida Bright Future Scholarship, and I was like, I'm going to get that. So I don't have to worry about paying for my college. And and I ended up getting it, you know. I, uh, But at the end there of high school, I had a really hard time. I left my house. I was 16. I was living on my own. Um, I ended up getting an apartment and then working like almost full time going to high school and I was dual enrollment and AP classes and honors classes. Mm -hmm. So I had a full, full load there. Um, I was on the swim team for a bit. I was okay. the editor of newspaper. Um, so I had a lot of, a lot of things going on. Uh, so I was pretty productive and I finished, you know, with all the, the requirements for the scholarship. And then I went to college. So, um, right. despite all my 
I, I even got another scholarship from the principal because she knew of my home circumstances and um, nominated me for another scholarship, which was really nice. Right. So a lot of people were, were in your corner there. You know, something your grandmother said sounds like came to be true. She said education would be your ticket. And so so at this, you know, getting education and, and ultimately it was it, it got you to Microsoft, you know, one of the biggest, most prestigious companies in the world. And, you, you know, uh, so that's kind of cool to know that your gra- your grandmother pretty much um, was right about that. Yeah, she was always right. I loved my grandma <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah, cool. she was. Yeah, she was. Well, she was uh, one of. She had a lot of brothers and sisters, and she was. She finished college and was an accountant uh, for wow. Fruit of the Loom, and she was the first in her family. Your and mom's side or your dad's side? My dad's side. Dad's side. Okay. Yeah, she was. You know, one of the, the first educated women. She went to. Wellesley, I think, and she yeah. graduated. Yeah, she did really good. I mean, and she didn't have help. She did it all on her own. And, and so you, so you were, um, you were a finance major. You were numbers. Were num- you were strong with numbers. Um, and uh, but entrepreneurship at this point wasn't really on your radar. As I'm guessing, right? You're like, you know, getting a great <laughs> it job. It was always and- on my radar. Okay. I was okay. selling on eBay before eBay was really eBay. Okay. Like, so, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I always, always, I always had something on the side, you know, uh, okay. I used to work at Best Buy. I was a cashier when I was 16. When I left my house, I got a job there and, and they gave us an awesome discount. And, and so we got like these products for costs and then I just go and sell them on eBay for a little bit more. I mean, it was an awesome business. I buy like, especially the ones that have high markups, like car stereos and amps and and uh, I knew how to use the the computer, and I used to build the computers too. I would buy like the parts, and then yeah. put them together. I was like kind of a hustler in in some ways, uh, you gotcha. know. <laughs> well, you, so. you kind of had to be. You were kind of living on your own, uh, you know, sixteen, seventeen, oh and, you, and but it was in you. So okay, um, but you got this finance degree, and you got the internship at Microsoft first, and then they made you the job offer there at the. Uh, the um, uh, I want to say the the Latin American headquarters for Microsoft, right? Yeah, yeah. So they came, they came to our school, uh, or or the career advisor came to one of my classes and mentioned, oh, Microsoft Latin America is here, and they they look for you know interns, and I was like, ooh, I want that, and so I didn't. Yeah, I went. Uh, they didn't tell me that they were going to pass my resume along. However, they did. And I kind of mysteriously got a call. And at that time, I was actually waiting tables. So I was um, working at a restaurant on the water. Yeah, like while I was in college. So I was taking a full boat. I was full time. And then they were like, so how does waiting tables help you with this job? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, really? I went through six interviews for an internship. And so... Yeah. So it was, but it was good. I really liked it. It was, uh, I, I was like, cool what a great feeling to know that you passed the muster with six people, like at Microsoft, like that's even makes the, makes it even sweeter when you get that job offer. I totally didn't think I was going to get it. I kind of like, I, I prepare, but I was like, ah, I'm not going to get this. <laughs> I'm waiting tables. They want somebody, you know, like in the business field or, yeah. and at that time I was in college. So I wasn't, yeah. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to work in that yet. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I just spoke from my heart. 
this is why I have stories about you know people in their high school and college years. I want them, I want on these you know successful entrepreneurs to talk about just how scared and insecure we were all were as kids. And so, like I'm, I work with college students now, and I just want them to know that, um, you, you know that like we we uh, you know we have an entrepreneur. You, your entrepreneurial future is not preordained. You can be you can have lots of struggles and lots of challenges, insecurity, lots of things, and you can still press on and be. And, and, and go, you know, chase your dreams of entrepreneurship when the, when the time comes and we're, we're, we're all, we're all kind of human on this. You don't have to be a superhuman to do this. No, you grow into it. Right. So it's kind of like, I wasn't, you, you become the better version of yourself, you know, every day. So it's kind of like you make yourself, you, you grow into it. Like you grow into a pair of shoes, you know, it's not something that you're automatically going to poof, you're an entrepreneur and you have everything you need to be successful it's a, it's a learning along the way, learning on the journey. And, uh, and you do it by kind of putting yourself out there, putting yourself in those experiences. And, you know, when you get the opportunities, give it your best. You know, I would always try to ask the people at Microsoft, you know, I was like a sponge there. I was like, I need to learn everything from the best people here. Cause I want, you know, to take that in and become that. And so I would ask them, I'm like, what kind of advice would you give me? You know? And, and I got the, I mean, so such amazing people I got to be with. I, I'm so lucky. But they would tell me, whatever it is, give it your best. Like, I remember I half, half asked something that I gave my manager. And he goes, what if I told you that Bill Gates was going to be reviewing this? And he says, would you have done it better? And I was like, yeah. He goes, then do it better for me. Because <laughs> he knew, I don't remember what it was exactly. But I remember I rushed it. And I just kind of turned it in and for him, because I knew he was very meticulous and I knew he was going to go through it in detail anyways. So um, I was just like, ah, I'll just give it to him. And he yeah. was like, always give your best, you know, no matter what it is. And right. so like those things stuck with me yeah. and those are the things that grow you. And, uh, yeah. and little by little, it's incremental. Right. So you, you kind of started rising the ranks uh, there in that in that office. I mean, you you, you worked for the, the number one or number two person there in terms of you, you were running all the financials and the P&Ls and and you were behind you were internal, like the financial analyst for a, a lot of what that office was doing for the first few years. Right. Yeah. For a lot when when I started that Latin American office was was not as big It like it's like times six or seven now than what I started. And, and um, a lot of the projects that actually like have full on teams now and, you know, was some of my first projects there. And so um, I got really lucky having some really good managers that really wanted to coach me and mentor me and, you know, help me grow. And um, so with that, and then I also did other kind of professional courses there um you know they offered everything from language to this to that like you could take while you were there in in the office and then some outside so i was signing up for everything communication this i mean leadership sales i mean everything that i could um possibly learn and uh the the manager you know people who like that like to see that you know they and they foster that growth it's really a, an awesome thing. So when I say to people, when you're looking for opportunities, experiences, find those people who not only, it's not only a good job, but 
the one, the person that you're going to be reporting to, make sure that person is supporting you and your career and what you're doing. Because you're not going to jump. I mean, if you want to jump into entrepreneurship right out of college, you know, and you really feel like you you can do it. But if not, I mean, learn learn what you can um, from a company. See how they right. do things, you know, processes, you know, operations, all those little yeah. things that you need to do in a company you don't think about. They do and they've mastered. So, yeah. you know, Absolutely. all those financials. I learned, you know, how to like do P&Ls, how to manage finances, how all of those, um, you know, how to create insights, how to learn from the numbers, what it's telling you, um, all of that now. Actually, I mean, that's what my businesses do. They, yeah. they produce analytics. So it's, um, you know, numbers and data are powerful. And so learning all of that really um, set the stage for me brought it all and you were able to um mm -hmm. it still carries with you to this day and then and then yeah. you had a big shift a big um a big shift in your little in your career microsoft there where you you um you know <laughs> you you were like you know internal numbers running all the pnls and you know and but all the people having fun were on the outside uh you know traveling to south america <laughs> and meeting with customers and you know and partners and and um i don't know if you asked for that 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 uh, promotion, or if they uh, they came to you, but you, you made a big shift right around there. Yeah, so it was right after the crisis. I remember I was actually having some big personal issues. I was my it was mostly my health for some reason. I guess the stress of it all, and I wasn't even thirty at the time. I think I was yeah. like 27, 28. Mm -hmm. and emails, the numbers, the reports, the deadlines, whew. the pressure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pressure. Like you, you're in a boardroom with all these executives. Usually, I'm the only female. I'm the youngest, and they're like, you know, what's this? What's that? What about this? Let's increase. I mean, and they, you know, it's a lot of pressure and. There's negotiations involved, especially with budgeting and forecasting. You know, they want you to, you know, promise more money and promise this, pushing the finance people to, you know, put that in there. It's, it was a, it was a tough, it was a tough environment that, that internal sales and, you know, goal setting and finance, and it was consuming and it was getting to my health. And then I was actually going to different doctors because I was having migraines every day and the doctors really couldn't help me. And then, um, so I started looking at alternative approaches and then I actually started going to school at night for alternative medicine because I was just like, I need to learn about how to heal myself because this, uh, <laughs> this is not this environment. And then at the same time, I need a job that's less, less consuming, you know, in that way. And so, uh, another manager mentioned to me a position that was open uh, working for him. And then I knew him. He was kind of, um, I was, you know, he was like in a different group, but still in the same group as me. And he knew me, um, you know, and I said, well, hey, I said, what about me? And he, and it was um, more under the umbrella of marketing. So I was more under the umbrella of finance. And, um, and then it was under that umbrella of marketing. And he's like, what makes you think you'll be successful in marketing? You've been just doing finance. And I said, whatever you put me in, I'll be successful. And I know I'll enjoy this. So I'll be even more successful. I will grow this for you. Like, I just knew it. Like, I know I knew him. He was an amazing person. And I knew that I could 
do that kind of thing with him. And at the same time, you know, still ha have the balance. And, and I told him that too. I said, I'm looking for balance, work-life balance. I said, if you can, you know, promise me that you can have, you know, like it was kind of, I mean, it sounds kind of arrogant, but I had gotten to that level where I had like other managers yeah. fighting over me. Like I yeah. really did. It was really yeah. nice. It's yeah. kind of like having two guys fight over you. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> it's you the know, best it's like, Ooh. To be in, right? Can you I know, the, right? You make the best pick, right? Uh, yeah, I was at that you point kind of where everybody was the, like, but, kind of, but here's the thing that you had, you had paid, you had paid the price to get all of that, uh, uh, you know, adoration. So it's like you, your health and your long nights and that, like you, the reason why you were in such kind of in a bad way is because you had just poured yourself into pleasing everybody to the point where they loved you and thought you were great and they wanted you. But that's something also that we find with entrepreneurial mindset in these companies is that the other chapter I have the, <laughs> I have a chapter called you, you are a threat. I have another chapter called you will get used up you will get used up it's another it's i think it's the chapter before right after the you are a threat and it's exactly this where yeah. um especially if you have a pleaser mentality like so many entrepreneurs do because we're, we're trying to you know please a customer in the market right like inside of a company they know that you're the one who will who will come through go the distance put in the extra hours results oriented you know make it perfect uh, because that's kind of what you do naturally and it's the only way you know and especially if you're trying to you know, please others and then so that's the entrepreneurial that's actually the entrepreneurial um uh profile yeah sure i had one manager he told me he goes if you don't have more than you can do then i'm not giving you enough work so mm -hmm. like literally like he's like that's just how it is you and then he showed me how to prioritize but it was kind of like my lesson you know, uh, there kind of growing up there and, you know, it was, and that was the culture there. I mean, the culture was you always had more than you possibly could. And they set it up that way because they felt like they got the most out of you, like right. using you up. It's kind of like, okay, if they only asked for 10 units, they're only going to get 10 units, but if they asked for 50, but you can only produce, you know, 25, well, they got 25, not 10, you know? Right, so right. it's, yeah. it's, it's just that that's their and honestly there's a pri like you said there's a price that comes along with that which is balance of the people i mean i saw some people get very sick you know very stressed out family suffer i mean it's not sustainable it's really not sustainable and it's you know you get that burnout you see a lot of people burn out yeah and so you know it's funny it's funny uh people think startups are risky but we, but argue, I would argue that work trying to climb the corporate ladder is risky. Not only is it risky that you, you know, you screw up the politics and, you know, get, get fired or, or become, you know, um, um, not successful, but you, you know, getting used up and, uh, um, your health and, and, uh, or being laid off or the market change, like corporate ladders are risky. So people say startups are risky in the big scheme of things. When it comes to your career, I don't know what, I don't know that you could argue startups are more risky, honestly, because I would take, yeah. I would bet any day on my controlling my own destiny. Uh, yeah, it's, it's financially risky, but it's a lot less risky in some ways. I mean, if you look at anything as risk, right, you go outside, a tree branch could fall on you. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you can uh, measure the probability of risk and, you know, and it's also your comfort level of risk, too. I mean, some people think, you know, certain companies are risky because of this or that. You know, I think 
in the end, you that's where mindset comes in. Nothing is risky when you believe in yourself and you believe right. no matter what, you're gonna it's gonna work out. You know, no matter what happens, it's gonna work out, you know, and just think keep keep thinking that and keep kind of just moving and progressing. And then you eliminate that risk. I mean, or at least like it goes down substantially because there is a lot of power in that. Right. So, I mean, it's risky in a job when you don't like it. It's risky in a job when you hate what you're doing and your boss treats you like crap. You know, that's when it's risky because it's not sustainable. Now, if you get comfortable and then you have a boss that doesn't really care, that doesn't support you either because now you're not going anywhere. You're just stuck. You know, and so you have risk of being stuck. You have risk of losing your job. You have risk of your unhappiness. I mean, you have risk of everything there. So it just depends on what you will put up with. You get what you put up with. So in the <laughs> yeah, end, you right? You get you to really pick, do. Pick, your pick your poison, right? Pick your risk. I know. Pick the risk that you want yeah. to live with. You right. know, and, and and what it what you know matches for you and what you want in your life. Some people just want one job. And, you know, take care of a family and, and that's fine. And that's their path. And if they right. can be happy doing that, so be it. But the entrepreneur can't. And we know it because we will go crazy in our, <laughs> you know. I'm like, go crazy. <laughs> misery, and, misery, misery. Yeah. And, you know, it's so, going to be your own secret too. Like, you know, the, you know, being the entrepreneur mindset, the person is unhappy. Like they don't... Uh, uh, they ha because they they're usually like a high achiever at work, so they can't wear it on their sleeve. So it's kind of like a secret misery. Like I would go home, I'd be you know everybody thought I was perfectly happy and awesome at work, but I would be I'd go home and my my wife would know that I was miserable, but nobody at work knew I was miserable. Hmm. We can put a good face right at work. That's yeah uh, because yeah because I mean yeah. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm climbing the ranks at work. I'm being successful at the job. And so, mm. you know, but I'm secretly miserable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a tough thing uh, to kind of take responsibility for, you know? Right. And so it. how I got through it, like, cause there was a quite a, 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 a bit of time there where I knew I was going to leave and I just, you know, I had my daughter, my husband also has a business and he start he left Mercedes and uh, started his business. So, mm -hmm. and I was, just, you know, so I was carrying the weight of the expenses. And so at that time I just felt like trapped and I was like, I want to go. And I, and I wanted to leave yeah. at that time by then, but I just had to tell myself, I'm going to take every day as a learning experience and get what I can learn what I can from what's around me to take with me when I'm ready. So let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the leap, right? So we got you know earlier we talked about kind of how you you know you you reached that unfulfilled moment and you know the tipping point happened and you talked about you know um, a few things, but like walk us through the like the the moment where it became real, like you were you were going to leave and what were the conditions and how did you pull it off? Oh my god, <laughs> um, it never goes as you plan. So that's one, uh, exactly how you plan. I mean, even um, when my daughter was born, I had a birth plan. I had printed it out on a piece of paper and I passed it out and it still didn't go to plan. So 
you have, I mean, you can plan as much as you, you want, but at the end of the day, you know, you just kind of go with the flow and you make an intention. And I wish I could talk to my other self. Um, <laughs> so I started, you know, I started to set up, uh, before when I knew I started to set up other, you know, I set up, uh, another company, a consulting company. I started to do some like outside stuff. Um, I had a startup actually while I was at Microsoft trying to see if I could get that going. So I was trying different things already when I was um, in for, I would say about a year, uh, maybe a little bit more, I don't know. And then, um, so I had, you know, and it was already, it was always in me, but I started to actually do stuff and, you know, partnered with some people, the software development company, another partner, we try to get something going and didn't work out. But, you know, I still was able to do my job and, and um, keep things going. And then, um, let me think, after that, it didn't work out, I kind of closed the book on that startup. But you know, I still had m my job at the time. But then I started to do Smart Edge. So Smart Edge uh, started, and that was so Smart Edge. We focus on kind of analytics for retailers, and yeah. I was working. Um, and the reason that kind of came to me was because that's what I was doing. I was yeah. working with yeah. the distributors, with the retailers, um, in Latin America, and helping grow that um, yeah. those businesses. Um, and so when I saw that and I started to talk to the partners and, you know, understand what Microsoft priorities were, um, you know, I saw some opportunities in the market. And right. so that's when I started kind of putting smart edge together. Um, right. and then what I did was I just started reaching out to people that either I knew from my network or even on LinkedIn, I was just kind of you know, connecting with people on LinkedIn um, and just saying, hey, would you like to have a conversation about this? And and it was just, there was a lot of serendipity that was just like, it was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, literally, like, I remember one day I was like, I need to talk to a, like a data expert that really knows like <laughs> data architecture and this and that. Like, um, and then literally that next day, like, somebody's walking up. down my street yeah and the little girl the father that's walking i know the little girl she goes to the same school montessori as my daughter and then the father ends up being this data architect for citigroup and i was like oh cool i was like i just said i need to talk to somebody like you and then he ended <laughs> up being like an advisor on the company yeah. and then you know yeah. so like all these people started showing up and giving me you know uh like support and then, um, and then I started sharing it at Microsoft a little bit because I was hoping to get some support too because yeah. I really wanted to use Microsoft. I was looking at, okay, I want to be a Microsoft partner and I yeah. want to bring these new solutions. Like that was what I had in my mind. And um, the director, she's now the world or the GM of IoT for Microsoft. She, she was really supportive with me and amazing, you know, and she right. knew what I was up to and I kind of confided in her. I've known her, you know, since I was an intern, actually, she was on my team when I was an intern. So, um, you know, I told her what I was up to and she was like, you know, whatever you need, count on my support. 
which was great, you know, and then, and then she left and went to, uh, you know, corporate and move or no, she didn't move, but she, you know, wasn't on the team anymore. And then it started to get, uh, I, I, a couple of people like started talking, uh, indirectly about it, you know, and so the rumors started and, oh, Christina's this, and then it actually started to create some problems. And so, um, like some issues, you had to make it official, uh, sooner than, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it started creating some problems and people were misunderstanding it and saying that it was creating conflicts of interest and this and that. And, and I had checked with the HR department and it really wasn't because I hadn't done anything yet. Right. Yeah. So I was just kind of, I was in this space of like right. developing the idea and developing the solution and what it yeah. would be focused on. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so then it just got to a point where I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm done. Like I just got, um, you know, some things started getting said about me and, and I had made some money in, in the cryptocurrencies too. And so I was, in a place where I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And then, um, and then shortly after I did, you know, and actually I had started to already get some interest from other companies and other partners. So I was just like, you know what, it's showing me all the signs, like the signs were there, like the market was getting, the market was ready. My ideals were making sense. The people I was talking to, um, were showing up. I mean, I had someone for deployment. I had someone for data, someone for, you know, all these different IoT experts, and they were all helping me. I was like, what it's is going wonder, on? It's a wonder any entrepreneur, we ever get an, we ever have entrepreneurs ever because of how hard it is uh, to leave a job or company and become an entrepreneur. And we most of us focus on, um, how hard it is to, you know, face your fear of risk and the money and all that good stuff. But but in, but there's this other side of the coin of difficulty where your company doesn't, you know, this clings on to you and coworkers act weird or whatever. Or then there's other things like it is really hard for to get escape velocity. So it's a wonder we have any entrepreneurs uh, born anywhere. Right. Because they all have to leave a job somewhere like that. Um, you know, we, that's the nature of entrepreneur, like somebody, you got to leave a job. So isn't it amazing how hard it, how hard it is to untangle, untether. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, a personal thing too, because Mm -hmm. I look back and I look at myself and my mindset at that time, you know, it it was really, I grew up there, you know, I was, Mm -hmm fresh out of college and you know they they raised me in a way um professionally so and i had some lifelong friends there you know that i went to their weddings and saw their kids being born and you know so there was a lot of like attachment i guess you could say like from my side so it was really hard you know it was really really hard um, right. but wow. it was kind of like the universe was kind of in a way pushing me and, and, right. and saying like everything on the, the smart edge side was just blossoming. It was just like, yeah. boom, everything I wanted was just happening. And then right. on the work side, it was like gossip and rumors <laughs> and 
BS. And I was just like, oh, so I had this pain and it was like, and I kept hearing like rip the bandaid, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just rip it. And so like, um, anyway, so that was, it was tough. So you did. It was really great story. I think it's great that people hear it like this. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, I don't think most people can like you, you think it's just hard for you to make the leap. It's, it's, it's got more tentacles uh, and tethers to it than, than people realize. And, um, and if you hadn't had some cryptocurrency money, you wouldn't have been able to have done it probably. Right. You So like, it's amazing how many things had to line up, you know, um, for, you know, for sure people have to save the money and, and to be able to make this leap, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And I had to, you know, kind of, I had to get more conservative with my costs too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I had to, I, I got really spoiled, you know, financially where I had, you know, trips to Colorado and California and, you know, mm-hmm. business class and this and that. And I got comfortable like mm-hmm. with that, you know, and all of the, whatever, you know, purses yeah, and yeah, shoes yeah. and, and then I was just like, whoa, <laughs> look at how much money I spend on that. And so I had to really kind of, you know, get more conservative with my costs. And that was hard for me because, you know, it felt a little bit, you know, I mean, you're a Leo, I'm a Leo. Like it was kind of uh, like pride, my pride. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. oh, you know, I oh, can't yeah. do I my eyebrows. Time. I hate, yeah, I have yeah. a hard time giving, getting rid of my luxury uh, needs, right? Like they become, uh. they become requirements, <laughs> not yeah. just, not just wants, they become needs, right? And they're like, wait a minute. And and that's the danger of letting yourself slide too far that way. It's really hard to untangle it. Wow. There's so much to unpack. Like, the, wow, it is so hard, isn't it? To break away and do this um, uh, psychologically, structurally, relationship wise, but you did it. And, um, do you remember your last day and, or your first day, uh, is, is there anything that comes to mind of how good it felt or how bad it felt or anything like that? Uh, it was like, I can't think, I mean, it was surreal. Yeah. It, it, I can't say I felt like, I felt like th- it was like a mixed, like, some parts of me were just like so excited, you know, and then other parts of me was so scared, you know. Um, so, but I, I think, you know, also I've been through hard times. So I kind of went back to that and said, I've been through tough times before. I can do this. I don't need so many things like I and, and it was, you know, that. I knew that it was going to force me to learn that because there's this scarcity mindset. I think we all have, I mean, everything, look, we have limited supply of energy, limited of this, limited of that. It's kind of like our, in our programming that everything is limited and you really have to kind of transcend through that and go into that abundance mindset, you know, and doing something like that is the only way to survive it. You know, it's really to get into that abundance mindset and really say, you know what? I have everything I need. I have a roof. I have food. I have yeah. a car. You know, I'm blessed. And like, yeah. really, like, tell yourself good, that every single day. And good, thing, yeah. and good things are gonna and good things are gonna happen, not bad things. You, you, yeah. Because, because your mind wants to go to all the bad things that are getting ready to happen or could happen, right? And you've got to uh, hijack that. And and like you said, with abundance, abundance mindset says good things are going to happen. More and more good things are going to happen. Whereas, you know, scarcity says, no, it's going to get worse and worse, right? 
Yeah, and, and the human tendency is to pick the worst case scenario in yes. your mind. Yeah. And so we have to shift that. So every time I was scared, it was because I was like, oh, my God, my, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, I don't know, live on the street. Or I'm going to be homeless, like, you know, or something like that. What if I don't make it? I only have X amount of money that'll last me X amount, you know, it was like calculating in my head. And yeah. so like all of that stuff, it was and at that time, you know, it was tough because my my husband's business wasn't like flourishing he was still kind of getting it up and going so yeah. he's doing much better now but it was tough so i was like oh no i'm gonna have to carry this burden you know still and, and i just so your mindset you know, right there was the difference you either you either were going to go to a scared place because we had every reason to be right of course or mm -hmm. you were going to go to this uh fearless for lack of a better word place and the only way mm -hmm. to your point early, the only way to survive these situations, we know this from surviving in nature. If you were stuck out in the wilderness with very little, I mean, we know this from survival mode, survival situations that your mind is going to determine whether you make it or not based on how it assesses the situation, right? Whether if it feels like all is lost and it's going to get worse and we're all going to die, then that's probably what's going to happen. If you think, no, we can figure this out. We're going to find a way then you probably will, you'll probably do that. And it's all right here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what triggers it. I know science, they talk about the, the nervous system and you can actually see it in your nervous system, which mm -hmm. side of the nervous system you activate the fight or flight side, which is like that side it goes into your arms and your legs and, you know, it's getting you ready to, to run or into that kind of, well, they call it like the oneness or like the, the more, I guess, it's a peaceful where you're at yeah. peace you're grounded you're you know kind of in that place and and you it's it's a it's a focus and it's an effort like so every time and i use my emotions like that was what i learned is like when i start feeling that i need to check my thoughts because mm -hmm. it's so hard to check your thoughts they're just running like all the time without you even knowing so how do you stop it before it starts it starts in your emotions so when i would start to feel my chest you know, tighten up or, you know, oh my God, I got this bill because I went over my miles on my lease. Holy crap, you know, <laughs> or like whatever. And then my chest starts to like, I'm like, it'll be okay. I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. You know, so you have to use like people think emotions are just for women in sad movies or something. No, emotions, there are guidance, there are guidance system to tell you what's going on in your mind. Right. You know, to right. put your mind in check. Yes. And, uh, and if you aren't control, if you aren't aware, conscious, and working on it, and actively, you're because uh, your mind, unless we know this, the the mind never takes you to a good place on its own, right? We just mm. something about the mind is all just the if, if left alone will always go to the scared, uh, fearful place. I mean, just but so this whole idea of going to the other place is something you actually have to purposely make it do. Am I right about that? Yeah. And you do that through a certain type of focus, right? So just saying, you know, kind of committing to yourself that, um, you know, when those thoughts come up, I'm going to, you know, recognize them, but no, they're just a thought. They don't mean that that's what's so you can yeah. choose your thoughts. Like you choose your clothes, right? So right. you choose your thought, like you're seeing a thought, Oh my God, I'm going to end up in the, I'm going to end up homeless. Okay. That's just the thought not going to happen. You can say, you know what? I'm going to work it out. Something's going to happen and it's going to, it's going to be fine. You know? So 
you you got to check it, change it, shift it, move it in a different direction. And just go general with it. Like, don't say, oh, okay, I'm going to make a million dollars next month. And if I write it down a million times, I'm going to make a million dollars. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> so that. you got to, you got. <laughs> I love that you said be general is okay. Cause you know, there's this whole school of thought out there about being specific. And I and have some things that make sense, of course, when you're doing, but being okay with, with general, a general vibe and a general feel I've, I've done that. That's been my guilty. Like I'm, People think that think that there's something wrong with that. I've actually lived my whole life with that. Like a general uh, thought or general feeling towards something has always served me well without forcing myself to be super specific, right? Yeah, you know, I learned that lesson too myself because I was the same way. I would write all these goals and I would be so specific, and I would say, I and and I would and I would be frustrated when it didn't happen. But it goes yeah. to my point from before where you got to be incrementally in going in the direction like you can't jump five steps ahead you gotta yeah. jump one step like you have to be able to believe it you know and if yes. you say i'm gonna make a million dollars next month it's not gonna happen because you don't believe it but you can yeah. say i'm gonna be okay hey i can believe that i'm gonna be okay yeah. you know going general is something that's going in that direction now when you start getting momentum and you yeah. start like you're just moving and grooving. Now you get specific. That's right. Now That's you right. say, all right, I want to get, you know, five clients. I'm making a million dollars this year and yes. da 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 da. You know, yes. so Yes. That's when you get specific, but not until then. Like you, you use the general to kind of get you through, start getting that momentum and building yourself up because those are incremental steps that you can actually take. Right. Well, Chris, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and 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 when you're general too, you're open to the universe to send things to you, like the data data scientist that you stumbled into, or opportunities. When you're when you're general, you're you're open to opportunities, right? You're open to the universe helping you. Um, once you get specific, you're kind of closing down. You're closing down uh, inputs, mm. and, and that can be good, yeah. like you said. That's good at a certain yeah. place, but it's not necessarily good in in your in your direction or mindset of life. Yeah, exactly. That's why I use intentions because it allows it allows you to be surprised, you know. Because sometimes it works out better than what you thought the specific yes. was going to be, you know. Yes. And when you get too specific, you're limiting yourself, especially right. too early on. So that's if so you keep it general, like you get surprised and delighted, you're like, oh, that's even better than I was thinking, that's, that's, you know. This is the point. I'm glad we hit. I want us to. This is the point I want us to wrap this and end on because I think that's. What a cool thing for people to hear um, that, you know, that you, you, there is a certain flow to life. There's an intention in life. There's imagination in life. There's mind, uh, you know, where you, where you put your mind and, and all of those things are very general and, and being open to the universe and, and flow. And, and it doesn't, you know, a lot of books and philosophies try to steer people away from that. And I've always hated that. Right. Like, I, I think it's, it's really powerful. People, a lot of other philosophies say, you know, to your point, like if you don't, if you don't name it, it won't happen. If you don't write it down. So, so this is really a great place for us to end. I think it's a really great message for people out there to hear from you. And hopefully I'm adding to that a little bit as well, um, because there, there's so many aspiring uh, entrepreneurs out there in jobs that are, that are hoping to do what you, what you've done and what I've done. And, um, and hopefully we've, you know, we've given them some confidence, you know, down deep down deep, right? In a deeper way in this conversation yeah. is what I hope at least. Yeah. Just believe in yourself. Know who you really are. And don't let anybody convince you otherwise. You know, really. 
I mean, that's what it comes down to. I feel like I may have heard your grandmother mm -hmm. in, in there somewhere. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like. I don't know. I feel Who like maybe knows? she said. I, I feel like your, your grandmother seems very wise. I just had to take a stab. Maybe she said that one day. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't she know. Probably somebody's grandmother. I don't know. Somebody's Probably grandmother. Probably somebody. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, well, Christina, thanks for the um, thanks for the time. Oh, really, I great. What and a thanks great for one. what you're doing to help others. That's Thank amazing. You so, Thank you so much. I I really enjoy this, and I love it when I find people like you that I can pull these stories out of and these inspirations out of, and and it's it's wonderful. And um and uh you know I look forward to doing a part two with you at some some point down the road. Okay. Sure. Keep sure. up with your journey because uh, you're. Um, you're really doing great things and I'll need an update. I'll need an update at some point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Have a, have a good Keep evening you with your, with yeah, absolutely with your, with your family. And uh, thanks for doing this. And um, um, you and I will be in touch as we always are. Okay. Thanks okay. Alan. Take care. Thank you. Christina. Bye. -bye. Okay. Bye.